0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.
1: The next passage is in 1 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 to 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sothenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all these everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Over to Jacko.
0: Thanks, Nick. Uh, Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you. If you don't know who I am, there are some new people here today. It's great to see you. I'm Jacko, or Simon, uh, lead pastor here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, Let me add my welcome. Uh, to that of uh, Tom and Nick and the rest of the gang, um, I think I've seen most of your faces as you walked in uh, the door this morning. So, and I hope you've been able to get a tasty cup of coffee or tea um, to get you going. Um, just so you know, I'm I'm not wearing this funky lanyard just for the fun of it. Um, it says on it City Light Church COVID Marshall. Um, always wanted to be a marshal. Um, no, I've actually always wanted to be an invigilator. Um, so, you know, the invigilators, that's that person when you go to do an exam, they're the one that sit up the front, you know, and give you all the help, you know, the hardcore instructions, you know, you must keep your pen down for the first 10 minutes, you know, no touching anything, no cheating. And they walk around, you know, just checking. Always wanted to be the invigilator. Um, Not a marshal, actually. Um, So what I've decided to call myself is the co-vigilator. So um, I'm invigilating COVID-safe stuff. Um, And so if the cops come this morning, say Paul turns up just to check in on us, um, we might have to put the sermon on pause while I go and just sort of satisfy their demands. Um, but uh, that's kind of my role. My role, is just to let you know, it's like an announcement really. As the COVID marshal, I'm the sort of the go-to person um, for those sorts of you know, things. If we do get a spot check and things like that. And uh, you know, if I come up to you and sort of just give you a little look... It's probably that you. It's probably the look of you're a little bit too close together. Um, so just you know, I'm not going to have a stick, by the way, that has you know is 1.5 meters. Not yet, at least. Um, but uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Just making sure that we're a, a safe place um, and uh, doing the right thing as we um, seek to to stay safe and well at this time. Um, Another quick announcement before we open up the word together is that um, if you are a regular member of City Light Church North Adelaide, uh, we are a church that is uh, led by elders um, and a plurality of elders. So I'm the, the lead elder of the church at this stage, the only full elder of the church. Um, but we have five other um, fellows who are in various stages of, of becoming an elder. And uh, as um, those guys, uh, they, in many ways, we all function together as elders, um, pointing people to Jesus, um, protecting people from wolves. That's kind of what we do. We want to make sure that we have a bunch of people who love Jesus and so uh, we keep growing in him. Um, we are, the, yeah, we're elder-led. And, and just wanted to let you know, you might know this already, Sam just He's up the back um, hitting the, the slides for us today. Sam, at this stage, will be commissioned into the role of full elder next Sunday, so the 30th of August. Um, and as I've said, um, you know, we announced it a few weeks ago and we give the church a good month to be able to um, just discern that, uh, pray about that, and if there are any particular issues that need to be discussed, uh, to take them to Sam, to, uh, to bring them to me. Um, but at this stage, all things going well, should the Lord tarry, um, we'll commission Sam as an elder next week. And uh, as a result, and to celebrate that, um, I've been talking about this with Sam. The role of an elder is not, you know, it's not like we put a big picture of Sam up on you know, the wall and he becomes the poster boy of the church. Um, In many ways, although he could be. um, uh, It's a a role of serving, right? It's not a particularly glamorous role. Um, It's a behind the scenes kind of role as well. But we feel like we should recognise the moment. And so we're gonna head out to lunch together down to the Wellington Hotel. Uh, which is just down the street, um, for um, a drink, something to eat. Um, And so if you're keen on that, there'll be some more information coming out that um, during the week. We'll probably have to book. um, But it'll be great to celebrate that moment in the life of our church. Um, So, yeah. If you have any gripes with Sam, talk about it with him. If you don't get anywhere with him, talk to me. Um, But all things going well, Sam will step up into that role next week. It's exciting for us as a church. Uh, We are in a a new series, 1 Corinthians. Um, That's the title of the series. It's the name of the book that we're going to be studying uh, for the next 10 weeks. Uh, We're going to get from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through to the end of chapter 10 by then, and then we're going to press pause and we'll get back to the rest of 1 Corinthians after Easter 2021. Um, if you can even, you know, by that stage COVID will be done, you know, we'll be, no, um, that's where we're going to go. So um, the next 10 weeks beginning the book of First Corinthians, a great text. Let's pray as we come to it. So I hope you've got it open in front of you as well. That would be a good thing to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have this morning to study your word and to learn more about you. Uh, we pray this morning as we sit under your word, we pray that by your spirit and through your word we would see Jesus, We pray that by your spirit and through your word we would hear Jesus and by your spirit and through your word we would love Jesus. Uh, so Lord, be at work as we open up your word and this text, 1 Corinthians, uh, Lord, change us, shape us, mould us into a people set apart for your glory in this world and certain of the world to come. And I pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I wonder, as we start, I wonder if you were to compare your life, uh, your life, what your life looks like, with the lives of your not-yet-believing family and friends. So if you compare to your life, what you do, what you look like, lots of stuff, with the lives of your not-yet-believing friends, would there be a difference? Would there be a difference? And I wonder, same with church, if you compare our church, City Light Church, North Adelaide, um, the things that matter to us, would there be a difference between, I don't know, like other social groups or community groups around us? I don't know, the tennis club, the social club, the scout group, the the Estonian club. Would there be a difference in how we operate versus how they operate? In terms of our priority and our decision-making, would there be much difference now, I reckon if you, if, you, if you believe this, right, if you believe that the gospel has really taken grip of your own heart, changed your life, and, and changed the life of our church, then I think you would agree, right, there ought to be a difference. There ought to look a little bit different. Our individual lives and our kind of collective life should look a little different. Particularly, I think, in 21st century Adelaide, where increasingly and kind of rapidly, our society is moving away from the Judeo-Christian kind of way of life and embracing more and more rapidly a secular kind of humanistic agenda. If church looks too much like the culture around it, if it basically just conforms, right, I think we're in danger of just being another club with a sprinkling of kind of Jesus on the side. And I reckon you'd agree, right, that would be a problem. And I'm not saying this morning, right, that we should actively make ourselves look really weird and different to the world. I'm saying if we've been transformed by the good news of Jesus, personally and as a church, things are kind of going to look different. What we do, how we do things, what we look forward to, how we treat one another. We're coming to this letter at City Light Church, North Adelaide for the first time, 1 Corinthians, and in verse 2, Paul writes this, to the church of God in Corinth. It's an amazing statement, right? There, There is a church that's been formed by the good news of Jesus in the city of Corinth. Paul writes this letter to the church, to this, not a building, a group of people who've been transformed by the good news of Jesus living in the city of Corinth. But it's a church, right, that in many ways had become very much like the culture around them. What I think is amazing, right, when you get to know a little bit about the Corinthian church, it is remarkable, and the city of Corinth, it's remarkable there's a church in Corinth at all. It's a miracle, right? Uh, Listen to the kind of people that kind of formed the group of people at City at not City Light, Corinth, I'm sure there was, right? Um, But, you know, listen to this. This is the group of people that we find in the city of Corinth in the year AD 55, chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 11, that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were washed. You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. I think it takes my breath away, right? That is what some of them were. That's, this is the church to which Paul is writing, and yet they've come to know Jesus. They've been gripped by the gospel. Here's my thing, right? If, a church, if, if the gospel can grow a church in first century Corinth, then it can sure grow a church in the 21st century Adelaide. It's amazing. Never despair. Here are people who've grasped 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you're a Bible flicker, click with me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here's a bunch of people who've, who've, who've grasped this. For I receive what I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Here is a group of people who've grasped Good Friday, who've, by the grace of God, got Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. It's amazing. And they are the church of God in Corinth, AD 55. They are, according to Paul, brothers and sisters with him in Christ, a family, and he writes to them. But as one commentator says, I think it's back on the screen, the church, I'll go back one more for me, Sam. The church was in Corinth, but there was a lot of Corinth in the church too. That's what one commentator says. This church, right, grass Good Friday, the grass Resurrection Sunday, they've got the Holy Spirit, and yet they're just drifting back to the culture around them. And so Paul writes to them, to the Church of God in Corinth. Let me tell you just a little bit about the city of Corinth. I wasn't there in AD 55. I don't think any other of us were either. Um, Let me just give you a little bit of background. Here's a map. Who likes maps? Yeah, I like maps. There you go. I don't know if you can see this. I can barely see it from here. Um, But uh, you've got Corinth is um, over on the left. Can you see it? Sort of? No, everyone's going, I can't see that. Like, you know, I've got perfect. It's over on the left. It's near Athens. um, And uh, uh, Corinth was this kind of cosmopolitan city. There's another map, I think, as well. Just Oh, there, because I love maps, right? I'll give you another map. Um, There you go. There's Corinth near Athens. um, And Jerusalem there is just for reference, right? So the book of Acts records how the gospel, after Jesus rose from the dead, the gospel explodes out of Jerusalem, north to Judea, Samaria, and then onwards to the ends of the earth. The Gospels made it in to Corinth. Corinth was a cosmopolitan city. Uh, near Athens, it was cosmopolitan city. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, Corinth is a little bit like Melbourne. Who likes Melbourne? Not now, but who has in the past liked <laughs> Melbourne? Um, yeah, it's, it's like Melbourne, right? Good coffee, art, the river, progressive, lots of cool things going on. You know, everyone kind of wanted to be in Corinth. It was a port city, key trading location. Um, So lots of people kind of passing in and out of Corinth from all over the area. But here are three things, right? Here are three things that are important to know about Corinth in the first century. Three things to note about the people themselves and also about the city itself. And they all start with the letter S just to kind of help us out. It was a successful city. It was a sex-obsessed city. It was a spiritual city. What do I mean by that? Well, it was a successful city, right? It was, it was the place that people really wanted to be. If you wanted to make it in the world of the day, you'd get to Corinth. It's a place where all like, the new grads go, right? I've just finished my engineering degree because half of our church is engineers. And, you know, where am I going to go to be an engineer? Where am I going to do my grad year? Melbourne. No, um, you know, like, I want to go to Corinth. I want to go to Corinth. That's where you'd want to kind of be. Um, it was a place to do that. Everyone to live there, work there. It was successful. It was su- it was sex obsessed. Everything goes in Corinth. Corinth was, was known for its liberal sexual ethics. So much so that the word Corinthian or the name or title Corinthian would be tied to someone who was particularly kind of sexually promiscuous. Or oh, you're a Corinthian. That would be the kind of the probably the derogatory term. It was also spiritual. It was also spiritual. It was the melting pot of all sorts of ethnic and political and religious and philosophical ideas. So it would be really normal, right, for the ordinary Corinthian person to, um, on their way to work, stop in for a bit of transcendental meditation. And as you walk out, get your tarot kind of read, I reckon. And then at lunchtime, you know, after you eat your sandwich, you'd go and have your crystals read on your chakra checked. You know That was what you would probably do. And then on the way home, you'd stop off before you got home to see the family at the temple to hang out with some of the temple prostitutes. Um, it, was a, it was a really spiritual place. A- and that would make you kind of a pretty well-rounded kind of person, very spiritual. Welcome to Corinth. Welcome to Corinth. It's into that culture, right, that the Apostle Paul brings the good news of Jesus, recorded for us in Acts chapter 18. That was the first reading that Nick brought us this morning. We studied that part of Acts um, a little while ago, where we, as we worked our way through the book of Acts. Paul went to Corinth, and he proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. We record that, and and he did it, we'll come across this in a minute, with fear and trembling. Imagine that, you turn up in Corinth, like turning up in Melbourne to preach the gospel. No, um, he came with fear and trembling. The place was, yeah, it was a difficult place to do the work. He faced the typical opposition. He was booted out of the synagogue and he set up church immediately next door. I kind of love that. Plenty of people didn't like it, but some people believed. So many of the Corinthians, verse 18, who heard Paul, believed and were baptized. A bunch of people came to know Jesus. Forgiveness of sins, hope of eternal life. And the church got started. Paul stayed in Corinth for about 18 months, we're told, teaching, preaching, building up the church. Then Paul moved on to preach and plant elsewhere. And then very slowly, right, after Paul left, the church just kind of started drifting back to its kind of old ways, gripped by the gospel and then became a bit more gripped by the culture. Paul had gone. He was pretty important but they got rid of Paul too. He's no longer there. We're not really, we're not really impressed with Paul, the speaker. He hasn't, he's not much of a gospel messenger. You see, in successful Corinth, the church wanted a gospel that looked good to the outside world. They wanted gospel preachers, communicators they wanted, who were impressive, charismatic, adept at Greek rhetoric, could hold the attention of a crowd. Not simple preaching like Paul proclaiming a crucified saviour. In sex-obsessed Corinth, they they wanted to continue as much as they could as they had done previously, using their bodies however they wanted. And in spiritual Corinth, the church wanted elements of their old pagan spiritual backgrounds to form their Christianity. In essence, they wanted a Corinthian-shaped Christianity. They'd have said, I will have Jesus, but we want the strong Strong Jesus, you know, not the weak, crucified Jesus. We'll have the gospel preachers, but only those who are impressive and can hold a crowd. But we'll go on living as much as we want as we did before. We don't want to change. We want to stay culturally relevant. You see, the problem that Paul addresses is that we don't get to shape Christianity the way we want to. The Corinthians wanted a Corinthian-shaped Christianity. But Paul says you must have a Christ-shaped Christianity Otherwise, it's no Christianity at all. It's all about Jesus Christ. And Paul makes that clear in these opening nine verses of the letter. Um, Eleven times. You're not meant to see that, by the way. But um, 11 times Jesus is mentioned in just the opening nine verses. All the blessings that this church enjoys, and there are heaps, all the gifts that they have, and they are enriched with many gifts, all the hopes they have for the future are all coming to them in Christ. So Paul says, don't walk away from Christ because you want to be more like your culture. Christ is at the heart of the gospel message and he must be at the heart of the local church. Let Jesus shape your lifestyle. Let him shape your leadership, your sex life, your gatherings, your love. So as we look at this letter today and over the next 10 weeks, the question we'll need to consider again and again and again How like the Corinthian church are we? Not all the specifics will be true, right? We don't live in AD 55 in the city of Corinth. Our culture is somewhat different to theirs, but similar in other ways. But the question is this, how much is our Christianity shaped by our culture versus how much is it shaped by Christ? Paul writes 1 Corinthians, because the church was in danger and to challenge their cultural conformity. So as we dig into this text today, I want us to notice, hope you have your Bible open with you. Verse 1, Paul just reminds us of the authority that he comes with, the the writer of this letter. Paul, um, verse 1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, or as I nicknamed him earlier this week when I was chatting with someone from church, Sos. Um, we don't hear much about Sos, actually, after this. this is, we heard about him briefly in Acts chapter 18. We hear about him just here. Just really quickly, Sosthenes was probably the guy who wrote down the letter that we have as 1 Corinthians um, before us. He was an amanuensis. Um, I love that word. Can you say that with me? Amenuensis. Come on. Amanuensis. Yeah, there you go. Um, never. You dropped that at a dinner party tonight or something like that. I don't know. Um, he wrote the letter down. Um, He was probably the the leader of the synagogue in Acts chapter 18, um, who then got driven out, probably came to know Jesus, and then ended up probably going to Ephesus with Paul. Um, But that's who we have, that's Sosthenes. But Paul, he's an apostle, one sent and personally commissioned by the risen Lord Jesus Christ. His role as an apostle, as a missionary, wasn't down to his human ability, it was down to his calling and his commissioning by the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul has been sent by Jesus and he comes with all the authority of Jesus. Paul's a bit like an ambassador. He speaks with the authority of the one whom he represents and the people around him are called to listen. So we must listen. See, Paul says some really confronting, difficult, surprising things in this letter of 1 Corinthians. Like all churches, it's far from perfect. But Paul, what Paul does in these opening nine verses is reminds the church that despite all their imperfections, they are in Jesus. They are in Christ. And that's an extraordinary thing for them. I'm going to break down the passage this morning into three sections, pointing us to three things that Paul highlights um, about what it looks like for them to be in Christ and then challenges them really about what true spirituality is. Um, Here's the three points if you're a note-taker. This church is a a sanctified church. They are a gifted church. And they are a waiting church. Sanctified, gifted, waiting church. So firstly, um, in the Lord Jesus Christ, this church is a sanctified church. And the truly spiritual person is a person concerned with holiness, growing to be more like Jesus, uh, let me read again from verse two: "To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be His holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ." Now there are, there are loads of ways, and we're going to see this over the next little while. There are loads of ways that this church in Corinth. Members of the church are not living lives that are worthy of the calling of the gospel. But even so, Paul starts out by saying, you have been sanctified. You have been sanctified. What does that mean? Sometimes we use the word sanctified or sanctification to mean um, that process where the word and the spirit together kind of make someone more godly, create in them a, a greater and greater likeness of Jesus What Paul says here is a bit different. He says, you have been sanctified. Fact. It's happened to you, church in Corinth. And to be sanctified simply means to be set apart by God for a special purpose, to be set apart. So if you're a bit old-fashioned, I shouldn't say this, like my wife, um, it's terrible, Um, you, you, you may have two, anyone here have two sets of cutlery in their house? You know the ordinary one and the really good one. Anyone like that? Yeah, we do. Um, um, often I put the old, you know, the, the ordinary one out, and just like, what are you putting that stuff out for? The people, the, the you know, people are coming. I'm like, because it's easy, you know. And then, oh no, no, off it goes. You know, you got the everyday set, right? That sits in your top drawer in the kitchen, probably bought from IKEA. I reckon, like that. At least we have, and that's what rolls out day to day. But there's another set, you know, for a special purpose, that comes out. And Paul is saying, Christians, you have you are different. You've been set apart. Now that you've come to follow Jesus Christ, you've been set apart for a special purpose, to bring God glory in the world, to share the gospel with everybody about you. You are sanctified in Him. And that's a privilege. And at the same time, we've been set apart. We've been called to be his holy people, verse 2. See it there? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. So which is it? Are you set apart or are you supposed to grow in holiness? Well, the answer is both, isn't it? You've been set apart in Christ to live differently wherever you are. If you're a Christian, you've been set apart, sanctified in Jesus. And so we live differently. And in verse 2, Paul is keen to tell them that it's true of all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does he say that to them? Why is it so important that, that they know it's true of all believers, this process of being sanctified and growing in godliness? Well, it's because the Corinthian Christians, right, they're in danger of thinking they're above other Christians, that they're, they're better than other Christians. You know, they live in successful a rather spiritual place, they're in danger of elevating themselves. So they look down on Christians who are a little less outwardly impressive, less spiritual. Paul says, no, 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 you can't do that. You share this amazing privilege of being set apart by God with every other Christian. You've been set apart, called to be his holy people. What's the impact then of what Paul is saying for them and for us? What's the impact? Well, I think there's an encouragement and a challenge. Here's the encouragement. Church, you've been sanctified, set apart, set apart by God, and that is a tremendous privilege to be his representatives, to live for him in this world certain of the next. That's what it means to be the church of God. There's also a challenge here, right? We need to live as God's holy people. Does your life, does my life look different to those around you? Or is it just the same? In your making, uh, you know, if, you're, if you, if I'm just kind of making the same decisions as everyone else, if my priorities are pretty much identical to everybody else around me, then I think something's kind of gone wrong. The Corinthians just looked like part of their pagan culture. So the question for us at City Light Church North Adelaide is is how much do you look like a secular Adelaidean? I would guess, and I think it would be different for each one of us, but I guess more than we'd like to admit. That's what we need to hear what Paul says over the coming weeks to these Corinthian believers. Paul's going to challenge us a lot here. Will we live as God's holy people for his glory and our good? That's the first thing that Paul wants to impress upon us, that we, they, are a sanctified church. Secondly, in the Lord Jesus, this church is a gifted church. And as a result, the spiritual person is one who is dependent on Christ and and defined by thanksgiving. Have a look at verse 4 to 7. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. The Corinthian church right, has so much going for it. Paul wants to thank God for that, not praise them, not puff them up, but praise God for all that he's given to them. The reality was, though, that the Corinthians were in danger of thinking, we're pretty good, eh? Like We got some good gifts around here. And they got well, they were pretty much filled with pride. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, you, know, you can have a look at that later. He thanks God first and foremost for the grace that God has given to them in Christ Jesus. You see, whatever their abilities, whatever their achievements, and there were many, they were grounded in the undeserved kindness of God, shown to those in Christ Jesus. There to be a bunch of people defined by Christ, not by their gifts, that's again why the name of Jesus comes 11 times in these opening nine verses. They are be grounded in Christ. Verse 5, he says, In Christ you have been enriched in every way. There's no denying it. This was a very impressive and able bunch of people. Humanly speaking, I think that's what you'd expect in a place like Corinth. Paul isn't concerned, though, with the humanly speaking because Paul knows that everything that has been given to this church is from God. All their speech All their knowledge and all their gifts. Specifically here, they've been enriched with all kinds of speech and knowledge. They're an articulate group of people. They get their point across really well. They can sound very convincing. When the church in Corinth preached the gospel, people listen. There's no falling asleep or drifting off in a sermon at the Corinthian church. Not looking at anyone, by the way, right now. Um, In fact, they don't, they don't lack any spiritual gift. They're a gifted church. Yeah, we refer to people today, right, as gifted, don't we? We often say that, you know, like oh, those people, they have amazing musical gifts. They 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 got a beautiful voice. What a gift! They have an ability to play the guitar. That's they're really gifted at playing the guitar. Um. I think we usually mean when we say that, that they have some kind of innate ability, right? Maybe some genetic predisposition to having a great voice or being able to play the guitar. Then they've worked hard to hone the skill with lessons and practice and they've gotten much better, that you're gifted. It's not actually what it means to be gifted, though. See, to have a gift means that you've been given it by someone else. It's a gift. You had very little to do with it. So Paul reminds these Corinthians that they have been gifted, but he's not congratulating them on their innate ability or their hard work. He's reminding that all of what they have been given is from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guess that when you recognize that something is a gift, you use it differently, right? So when they if they were to come and realize this is a gift from God, we're going to use it somehow differently. It reminds me of a friend I went to more college with when I was studying theology. Um, who was gifted a really, really, really small little Daihatsu car, like the smallest Daihatsu you could ever imagine, and he was one of the tallest guys in my year. It was great. Um, and so Nick got gifted this little car, and uh, and because he's a really godly guy, um, he was like, you know what, I'm just going to use it whenever anyone needs a lift. He was a single guy living in the single quarters at Moore College, and he went, whenever, I, whenever anyone needs a lift, I'm giving them a lift because this car has been gifted to me. If anyone needs to go somewhere, you know, And like so, Nick just went. I've been gifted this car. I'm going to use it for the good of others. That's what Nick did. And you know how we we thanked him for that. Well, one there was at Moore College. um, There was this little we called the mail room. Um, So everyone, every student at college, had a little pigeonhole where like notices would get dropped, or you could you know put old sandwiches in and things like that. You know that you know. Anyway. outside the mail room was this, like, little area, like, about, you know, about this, oh, yeah, decent, you know, maybe two metres wide or something like that. As a sort of a little cheeky prank and a thank you to Nick, we got his car, a bunch of, oh, I didn't do this, the guys at the college did it, they picked his car up because it was that small, they put it up on blocks and took all the wheels off and hid them all around college as a thank you for Nick's beautiful service of the college. Um, So Nick one day got out of college, right, this is glad, Nick got out of his, you know, the the college and and was looking for his car, and he'd go, everyone see my car? Everyone see my car? And then he he comes around the corner, there it is, up on blocks, wheels gone. It was kind of funny. Anyway, um, (laughs) not really for Nick, but anyway, he was a good guy. Nick got the car, he used it, it was a gift to him, and he used it for the good of other people. Paul's going to have I mean, what's the impact? Paul's going to have plenty to say about gifts in this letter as we go through. But here's the encouragement. We've been given so much in Jesus, yeah? I think you'd have to admit that as a church, we are pretty blessed. We have lots of gifted people, people who've been given things by God, and that's not because we're a better church, we're a better people, we're a better group of Christians compared to others. No, it's out of God's kindness. He is the one who has given the gifts to the church. Now, yes, we could explain that away humanly speaking. It's part of where we are living in central Adelaide, people's training and education, etc. But everything we have is a gift of God. So we should be thankful, dependent on Christ kind of people and defined by thankfulness people. And because it's a gift, there's a challenge there too, right? Are we using the gifts that God has given us to serve him and to serve his church? And when we serve, are we doing it truly for Jesus? Our hearts are really quick. My heart is really quick to take the gift and use it for myself. Make it a reason to puff myself up. You know, look at me, look at me. But the gift's a reason to praise God, not ourselves thank god and as a church here at north who is gifted we need to hear god say to us use them for the good of his church like the corinthian church we are a gifted church so will we use our gifts to serve and glorify god are we a dependent on christ church are we a thankful church so jesus says they're a sanctified church Um, pursuing holiness. In Jesus, they're a gifted church, dependent and thankful. And thirdly and finally, they are a waiting church. In the Lord Jesus Christ, this church is a waiting church. They are a bunch of people waiting for Jesus to return and waiting for the new creation to come. Verse 7, have a look again. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What's this saying? Well I think the Corinthians right had become so focused on the gifts they'd been given that they'd forgotten about what the gifts were supposed to point to and how they were supposed to be used. They were all about helping the local church continue to follow Jesus, serve Jesus and wait for Jesus to come back. They thought 1 Corinthians 8 right the church at Corinth thought they'd already arrived. You know, we've got everything we need. We've arrived. Paul reminds them, Jesus is still coming back. They'd become so consumed with the present day that they'd forgotten about the future. Um, some in, in the church at Corinth, that you can read about this in 1 Corinthians 15, some were actually denying the resurrection of Jesus and the reality that he was turning, coming back. The gifts that God gave the church, the, the gifts that God gives his church, are to help that church wait eagerly for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to build up the church, to help the church stand firm and to hold out the good news of Jesus. As the church waits for the return of the Lord Jesus, we can also be certain that that we are going to get there. We're going to get to the new creation. Paul reminds us that Jesus will keep us firm to the end. He will hold us fast. Even when the Corinthians were making mistake after mistake, after mistake in how they lived their lives and individually and how they lived their lives as a church. So many mistakes that Paul has to write 16 chapters in this letter to this church and then follow it up with another letter kind of later on down the track. But even then, with all their mistakes, with all their foibles and flaws and faultiness, on the day when Jesus returns, that church will be blameless. And if you've read 1 Corinthians, you go, what? How? This far from perfect church will be perfect. And the same is true for us today. Even when we make mistakes, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we make them individually, when we make them as a church, on that day we will be blameless. Why? Because it's Jesus' day and he has done all that it takes to make us perfect before him The Lord Jesus will get the job done, even when our mistakes and our imperfections seem like they get in the way and threaten the whole project. God is faithful, Paul says in verse 9. He's brought you into relationship with his son and he will get you there. And even for this messy Corinthian church, that gives them hope. Hope because God is faithful, not them. One of the—I haven't really thought this illustration through, so it may be terrible. But I'll give it a go anyway. Um, I was meeting with someone uh, during the week from our church, and we were talking about this idea of the return of Jesus. And I said to this person, "I said, how how much do you think about the return of Jesus? Like, how much does that shape your day-to-day thinking and decision making?" And um, you know, like like this person I was talking to, I was the same. I don't—I'm not conscious of it a lot. But Paul raises it here, right? And and the thing, the wonderful thing here is, we see that even even our mistakes, even our foibles and flaws, will not get in the way of Jesus returning and keeping and holding us fast. Because it's down to Him. I was thinking about this, and in that conversation. You know, I said, oh, you know, sometimes you know we can get caught up and think that the next great event in world history is when COVID is gone, or well, the next great event in world history is the Olympic Games, as long as COVID is gone. You know, um, and I was thinking about that, right? You know, like the Olympic Games. What happens before the Olympic Games? Anyone remember? A whole bunch of people get together and they hold a torch, right? And they run around holding the torch and they cross the country and you know. Everyone wants to get in there and get, the, you know, get in the ballot and hold the torch and run, you know, for five meters and then hand it to someone else and run another five meters. You know, what happens, right? What happens if, you know, on that, you know, torch relay, you know, someone just veers off the wrong direction, you know, or someone trips over and the torch breaks and stuff like that. I mean, ultimately, right? The, real- the games are going to happen, yeah. Even if the torch is all over the place and goes out or trips over or takes the wrong direction, the games are going to happen. Even when you and I, brothers and sisters, stuff up, when we fail, when we have flaws, when we are exposed, God is faithful. And Jesus will return and he will take us with him. If you're in Christ, Jesus will hold you fast. encouragement for them, the encouragement for us is even though we are far from perfect, we will get there in the end. He will do the same for us. He will do the same for the church. We'll be blameless before him. And I don't know about this, right? This does several things for us as a church, as individuals. It means we can admit our mistakes and imperfections. We don't have to hide from those things. It's why the church can never be just a club or a bunch of ordinary people because our horizon is totally different. We're not focused on this world. We're waiting for Jesus' return. So the challenge then is this. Are we a church that is eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus? Is that what shapes our decisions and our priorities? There will always be areas where we're not being shaped by that wonderful truth we need the challenge of first corinthians that that will bring we're not a perfect church no church is we need to be corrected and changed and shaped by the world but just as prone to forget that we are waiting we are a waiting church we live for that day individually collectively one day one day there will be total prosperity, but we have to wait for the new creation. One day we will have totally healthy bodies, but we have to wait for the new creation. Just as an aside, I went to the back desk to get the microphone put on. Carl said, What was the least excellent thing about your week? Or something like that. And I said, My back my back has been the least excellent thing. I've got a really dodgy L5, S1, disky thing going on. And um, if you live with me, Adele can tell you, by about 5pm, I'm a grumpy old man, you know. And then Tran goes, new creation, new body. It's a physio, right? But you know, like, you'll be able to work, man. Nothing to do. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, we will have totally healthy bodies, but we have to wait for the new creation. And here's the one thing I love. The struggle with sin will end. It will end. But not until the new creation. And the truly spiritual person has their eyes fixed on that future, and that future shapes today. We'll think about that as we go through. So as I close, are we a church shaped by our culture? Or are we a church shaped by Christ? That's the question we're going to face over and over again as we come through 1 Corinthians together. But as Paul opens this letter, it's mainly encouragement, brothers and sisters. City Light Church, North Adelaide. In Christ, you are a sanctified, set-apart, called to be holy people. So live holy lives. Let us encourage each other to keep growing more like Jesus. City Light Church, North Adelaide. In Jesus, you, we are a richly gifted church. So let's use our gifts to the glory of God and bless our brothers and sisters and the community around us. Dependent on Jesus, defined by thankfulness. In City Light Church North Adelaide, we are a waiting for Jesus' return kind of church. So let that perspective shape our decisions shape our lives, our priorities each day, waiting to see Jesus face to face. I caught up with that person from church and the more I thought about it, I just can't wait to see Jesus. I just can't wait to see him face to face and enjoy him forever. Should we pray? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he died so we could be forgiven and have a fresh start. By your Holy Spirit, Lord, give us soft hearts so we can hear the rebuke of 1 Corinthians and so grow to be more like Jesus. Enable us, Lord, to be a deeply thankful people And Lord, help us to keep looking to the horizon of Jesus' return and to the day when all the battles are over. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light
1: Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash northadelaide.